We'll get into all that and more. Let's answer some Hey Joe questions. Joe cracked the door, uh. Hey Joe, brought to you by Oak City Sports Cards, oakcitycards.com. From Ken, hey Joe, what is the vibe check in the studio this afternoon? You rocking a cool t-shirt like Nice Price or Peppers? No. Julio drinking out of a sliced peaches jar or a red Solo cup? <laughs> I got a Nine Inch Nail shirt on today. I guess that go. qualifies for a cool t-shirt. Uh, no, Joe's drinking from another free... What, what is that? That's uh, a Duke. Is that a, oh, it's a Duke free cup? Yeah. Okay. You you Duke love hoops. You love to drink from the collection of stuff in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Although I still don't understand... These are mine. The, I still don't understand the sliced peaches jar that you drink water from. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. I just, you just don't have throw it, it away. Oh, okay. I feel like I paid for it. It's, right? very, it's very twee of you. It's like you got a mason jar collection. Well, should I know what that means? Yeah, it's like very fanciful, whims, whims, whimsical, okay. like that sort of thing, right? It, basically, it's like a Wes Anderson film. Oh, okay. You know? Like I'm, the, the garbage bag floating in the... No, that's a problematic director. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> that's not him. No, that's not Wes Anderson. No, he's like the one that gave us uh, the Royal Tenenbaums. Oh, okay, uh, okay. Steve Zizou, you know, like usually um, Bill Murray's in a movie. Okay. Anyway, he's got a new, new one coming out. Yeah, so what does your deal with vibes, by the way, Joe? The vibes are good today's show. They were I thought they were good. They are. Well, I thought, I, what I did thought I do? Vibes, I thought the vibes in the show were Wait, good. Wait, what did I do? But, you know, Joe makes fun of me for having vibes right. yesterday, and right. then I actually want to talk about, like, legitimate <laughs> today, things. He's like, like I need you. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa Joe. It's funny. I, <laughs> no, Joe, you can't Joe, confuse me no, now. No, what's funny is Joe just falls into the classic trap that I've dealt with my entire career where it's like people act like I don't know what I'm talking Alan about. Alan Ball. Why, why, where did I get Wes from? What? Sam Mendes and Alan Ball. Yeah, Sam Mendes is a little problematic. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Where, Wes did, I get, where did I get Wes from? I don't know. There's no Wes in there. No, Wes Anderson is a, a director. Yeah. He did the, the movies I referenced. Yes. You were thinking Wes I'm still Durham. figuring it out, man. I'm still. Okay. You were thinking Wes Durham. I'm piecing it back No, it's because I said, said Twee, and you are like, what is that? I still don't know what that is, but I'll look that okay, up. Okay, look that one up. Look that one up. Give me a homework assignment. All I got right, it. next up. I got a proposition for you. From Let's Go Canes, hey, Joe, the stupid topic of this playoff series is PNC can't be the loudest house in hockey. What is your favorite stupid topic in Canes postseason history? Uh, I think the Wait, one. Why can't. So, all right. So, the, yeah. the little. Give me the whole th- thing. This is where me being extremely online has its usefulness. Uh, and I would suggest that if these are the types of conversations bothering you during the postseason, log off. Just log off. I know that's I know that's easier said than done, but really these are d- like the question just asked. It's a dumb it's a dumb topic. So the Canes have marketed themselves as the loudest house in the NHL for how long now? I think it goes back to like oh two, right? Early, yeah. So the one thing about PNC oh, Arena, oh two, yeah. Say what you want about PNC Arena, when it's packed for hockey, the acoustics in that building pop. Okay, it is loud. It's loud. And why are you making a face? I'm I'm now remembering. Being in Montreal, which holds more people, it does. Yeah, and it's louder because you're when you're in Montreal, you actually like sit a little bit higher as well. Yeah. So I laugh at. I'm not. I'm really not trying to say it's not loud at PNC, but a lot of times it's boosted from the speakers. I see. I and see what you're saying. Like when I sat in 304 or 305 on the other side, mm-hmm. and you're above those speakers, mm-hmm. that's the best game experience I've had at the Canes because I was like. My ears are not bleeding from the speakers. Yeah. And the view is 
unbelievable. And there's more room in those seats in the aisles in that 300 level on that mid-ice. So I'm just having flashbacks, though, to to going to Montreal for the first time and being like, okay, this place is, like, really crazy loud. because. But then I was like, oh, there's more people here. That'll do it. So it it would make more sense that more people make more noise. One of the coolest experiences that I had was in Edmonton in their old building during the 06 Cup run. And I was up there for game six of the Stanley Cup finals, and they had essentially where the media sat was on a catwalk. Yes, you similar to Montreal. And you sat where I was was literally above the goal. And it was a wild viewing experience, and you are picking up all the acoustics yep. from there. But back to the question, PNC Arena or RBC Center or the Raleigh Entertainment and Sports Arena has marketed, itself, has marketed itself as the loudest house in the NHL, sure. and this triggers other fans because yeah. it's like – and it's all born in the hockey and Raleigh? Never mind. It's, it's, it's again, it's the classic conversation we have about the Canes all the time where people are flabbergasted that they like hockey here. How many times do we have to have this conversation? I was kind of proud that after game one, we didn't, because I think if there was like thirteen or 14,000 people there, yeah. instead of it being yeah. either a sellout or very close to a sellout, yeah. we would have had to wade back into, into that, that conversation. Crack. So yeah. I was actually, that was the one thing from game one that I was pleasantly surprised and happy that we didn't have to go back into. And there's also, when whenever the Canes do get knocked out, there's going to be a standing ovation. For the right, season. that started and in 01. That started in 01, and that is a thing that bothers other people, too. Yeah. Like, this just shows you you're not serious about hockey, because if you were, you'd be throwing you'd be mad. things. You'd be mad. You'd be throwing things. It's like, no. Or you're like, hey, man. Hey, I appreciate the I, effort that they made over an 82-game schedule and to get into you. the playoffs. Yes. I pre- it didn't end the way we wanted it to, but we appreciate you, yeah. and we'll get them next year. Next up. How you doing? Yeah, we don't boom off the ice like Maple Leafs fans. They no, they didn't even boom off the ice. They literally left last There's night. There's that they too. They left. And they spend so much money on those tickets. Easily. Oh yeah. my gosh. From Mark, hey Joe, what's your all time favorite venue where you've hosted a live radio broadcast? <sighs> this is gonna come as a shock to Gilio. But easily my favorite place to do a show from has been the US Open Media Tent. Because it's like mission control. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Because, like, for us, they put you in a little glass radio booth. Yep. So that no one else can hear you because it's golf. You. Right. Got to be quiet. <laughs> and if you've ever worked with gold, trust me, you need to contain <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah, you do. And what's wild about it, it's all set up with a big, giant screen all broken out. You got live coverage. You got the giant scoreboard, live updates. They make it very easy for you. It makes it incredibly easy to understand what's going on on the course because it's impossible to go, you know, to watch it all while you're on the course. Right. So doing the show for that, I feel like I'm I'm in Houston, Mission Control, watching all the golf unfold. It's actually pretty neat. All right. You're you're giving me... (laughs) You're spotting dimes and eating onions right now. What is going on? You just said... You gave me high danger chances yeah. in the previous segment. And I'm telling you, and US now you're Open. telling me that golf, US, US Open a in golf Pinehurst. venue, yeah. is your favorite. Seriously, U.S. Open, Pinehurst, and when we went to did you replace the, my cough? The Champions with Senka today. The uh, the PGA Championship at Quail Hollow. Yeah. Now I will say, one no, the, I've never been there. Now you have. I've never been to Quail Hollow. We you go, and I. We, we you go and over I. We, you, no, no. Was it was it Pinehurst that you and I walked around? Yes. Okay. It was the year uh, Marty Keimer won. Okay. It was the most boring U.S. Open when, in the history of the U.S. Open. The, uh, the the time we walked around the golf course, we wondered, how did all these old guys end up with super young trophy wives? One of the more interesting, enlightening conversations mm-hmm. you and I have ever had. 
and like you and I going, man, we're done. <laughs> it's over. Like, it's over. Like, why do you want? Like, we yeah, we produce some kids. We're done. Like, why? Get that thing snipped. All right, next up. Whoa. From Locked On Wolfpack, hey, Joe, if Kevin Keats' performance in transfer recruiting so far was a restaurant dish, what dish would it be? Hashtag let Keats cook. Fajitas. Ooh, sizzling. Oh, yeah, okay. fajitas. The presentation right now is it really, it's really great. Like, seriously, think about it. When you get fajitas at the restaurant, everybody's like, oh. Now, there's a trick. I should have got that. There's a trick to a fajitas <laughs> because they're not actually sizzling for real. They pour some water on it to make it look like it's sizzling. But when you get the fajitas, sometimes they don't always match up to the sizzle. Sometimes they look better. Right. And sound better than they actually taste. They, they actually taste. So we don't know what the final. Because I've had some great fajitas. Mm-hmm. But we don't know. It could be chain restaurant fajitas or it could be like, you know. Strip mall Mexican joint fajitas. Right, I'm going to give away the run the table question right now. All right. Okay. MJ Rice committed to NC State today. Transfer from Kansas. Yeah. Uh, top 50 recruit last year. It was a McDonald's All-American last year. Do you know the the only McDonald's All-American that Kevin Keats coached at NC State? This is the definition of a trick question. I don't. Okay. You want me to give it to you? You want to wait for I'm run the table? Wait. I'm going to wait for run okay. the table at 530. Joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline, Mike Menescalco, Bally Sports, Kane's play-by-play. So, yeah, Auntie Ranta's in net. We knew that was going to happen based on game one. So let's go advancement theory, Mike. If the Canes win tonight and Ranta looks good, who's starting Friday on the island? Well, again, you're going to, I think, go with the same options that we had before game one. No matter who you choose, it'll be the right answer. For Carolina, I hope you like how I'm hedging the bet here on yeah, this. Yeah, that's but good. That's good coach speak, Mike. It, it's no the the funny thing about it, Joe, and I've I've thought about it is there's three ways that this plays out here tonight. So Auntie Ronta plays well and you know shuts down the Islanders again. It becomes the no brainer. You give them game three, and you go from there. Auntie Ronta doesn't win tonight. Well, you go to Freddie Anderson in game three because again goaltender rotation. That's what the Hurricanes have done all year. Or Auntie Ronta wins tonight, heavy workload. Mm. You then can go to Frederick Anderson. But if if he plays well tonight, odds are he is going to be the guy who starts game three. But you, my gut feeling, and again, not that they tell me anything, my gut feeling is you're going to see Frederick Anderson play a game in this series. Beacons have handled their business this year. That okay. they've relied on all of the goaltenders, whoever, whoever it was at the time, whatever the tandem is, they were going to give somebody a game and not ride somebody six or seven games in a row. Yeah. See, I look, we all understand that co-captains was a disaster. I mean, <laughs> it really was. It really was the cherry on top of the Bill Peters uh, crap Sunday experience. Um, but who's to say? Because they had a home captain and an away captain. I'm trying to sell this, Mike. You got a home goalie. And a road goalie. Because Ronta's think, been unbelievable at home, so why don't you just keep that thing going, man? Yeah, I think you can I think you can one hundred percent sell that if you want to. I mean, 
If you include his postseason win, he is 12-0-1 at home this year. He has not had a regulation loss. So Unreal, man. You can throw out Unreal. the 0-1. I know now I just said it, and evidently speak it into existence. Oh, uh, stop it, Mike. That that stuff is that stuff is bad. Mike Maniscalco joining us. I'll never forget Mike Sunheim can back me up on this. I remember in, I think it was 9 I want to say it was, no, it was 6 It was 6 I inadvertently talked to Cam Ward the day of a game when I shouldn't have talked to Cam Ward because you don't talk to goalies the day of during availability. He's like, this is superstitious. He had a shutout that night. So I immediately went to Sunheim and said, so I get to talk to Cam Ward every day, right? I was like, no, that's not how it works. So this goalie stuff, you're not speaking anything to existence, man. You're fine. Don't don't sweat. No, and, and I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I, I would have no problem if they say Frederick Anderson is the goalie they go with on the road. I mean, again, and it goes back to 52 wins, guys. 52 wins, everybody who's listening. And they basically did it with a rotation for 90% of the season. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and, and look, the way that the Islanders play, this is what we saw in game one is what we're going to see the rest of the series, no matter how long or short it goes. Gilio's been so patient. I'm so proud of Gilio. He's just patiently waiting. He's turning red because he's been holding it in, but he's ready. I mean, listen, I, I'm not trying to get you in trouble. And, and I'm, I'm trying to ask this in the best way possible. Like, we, when we think about football coaches, right? Like, if you were to say to me, hey, how many times has Dave Doran mis- made a mistake? I could probably list his top 10 mistakes, right? Rod Brandenburg is in year five. I legitimately can't off the top of my head sit here and tell you Rod Brendamore made a mistake in games this, that, and the other, mm-hmm. right? Like, you can't do it off the top of your head. The guy has been meticulous he's been unbelievable if he were to have a 2-0 series lead and then went to long island and changed the goalie and then lost that game it would be like he'd be trying to make up for the five years of of perfect answers (laughs) intentionally tanking on a test like what i i i just refuse to believe either and i know you guys are being serious and i know what it's based on yeah you're not tweaking me I just absolutely refuse to believe that if the Canes go up 2-0, Rod's going to wear the same underwear. Like, he's not changing that. He's not going to change the goalie. I, just, I mean, I, I, my brain hurts. I, 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 I'm going to try to field the question that's in there. <laughs> Which well, is, the, que- the question was, can you even remember Rod no, Rindemore no, making it, a, mis- a coaching mistake? No, that's, that's the funny thing. I I can't. I mean, yeah. I you've can't. called off all the, the top games. Of my head, <laughs> off the top of my head, he has literally pushed the right button every time when you're that's like, amazing. Well, why would you do that? Which, so this is where I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to assuage your fear here. <laughs> if he goes with that, there has to be a reason for it right. in his yeah, mind, right. as that's to why you do that. And now yeah, I'm, I'm going to be telling a tale, and it's it's not mine because I wasn't around the team for the run, but the first Stanley Cup run. Mm-hmm. Oh, two. We, were, we were talking about this with Paul Maurice the other day in Florida. Mm-hmm. So the Canes, they're playing New Jersey, and our, Arthur Zerbe steals the first two games. Like, actually steals, you know, both, and they're going to New Jersey, and this is a story told by Trip Tracy, so Trip should tell it. But Jim Rutherford tells Paul Maurice, but Paul backed this story so I can now tell it with the knowledge it was directly said to me. Jim Rutherford goes, I think you should start Kevin Weeks in game three. And Mo goes, the only reason we're up 2-0 is because of Arthur Zerbe. What are you thinking of here? And he starts Zerbe and they lose. And he goes, you know, 
I think you should start Kevin Weeks in game four. And he starts Archie again. And now the series is tied at two. And then most starts Kevin Weeks in game five. And then the rest, as they say, is history as the Canes go out. But I'm just saying, there's some people who are going to sit there and tell you, you can't because you've won two games and how in the world? Maybe the play is you go to the other guy because you know what? Now the other team has got to be like, maybe they found a hole or maybe they found something that they're comfortable with that they were going to get ready to exploit. Now you got to try to shoot on, on Frederick Anderson for 60 minutes and see where he's at. So again, this is going to be a question guys till it's not Gilio, You are 100% within the right to say what you've just said. And there's no way that I can combat that and squash that and say, how dare you? Yeah. No, you're, you're legit because that's the way it's been done forever. But I, I just think the way that this team does things, the, the way that they've gotten here is they don't follow the pattern that everybody else in the NHL has followed for eternity. Mike Maniscalco, Canes play-by-play, Ballet Sports, joining us here on the OG alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Obis. All right, let's get to the other reason why the Canes won game one and the, the sustainability of that. That was scoring on the power play. Um, I, I thought you were well, going to say Brent Burns. Well, he's part of the power play. Mm. It's, it's all it's – all, collectively right isn't that the slogan yeah. collectively yeah. Uh, it all it all worked out but i know what this team has been all year when it comes to the power play so was game one like hey we finally got the ball rolling here let's let's keep the vibes doing their thing or was that more of an anomaly based on what we've seen from the team so far uh i, I would love to tell you that no we're gonna see this the rest of the way through but the islanders have a great penalty kill you know they were ninth in the regular season mm-hmm. and in game, they made an adjustment. They, they saw, Oh, okay. Brent Burns is doing this. Well, we've got to take Brent Burns away. Canes go over two on those. I, I think that this is one of these things where water finds its level. Do I think the hurricanes will be 50% throughout the playoffs on the power play? Fingers crossed. Yes. Yeah. If, if uh, that's the case, then, then, then yeah. we'll be, we'll be, we'll be talking in June. Yeah. Right. I'll be talking to you guys for a long time. Yeah. Answering the goalie yeah. questions, But uh, no, I, I think that, it was the, the right start you wanted to get to. And I think that goes into, again, coaches looking at videotape, finding things or video, finding things that they can exploit. The Canes got to that. Um, but do I think that the Canes can get a power play goal a game against the Islanders? Yeah, I do believe they can do that. Mike Manscalco, Carolina Hurricanes, joining us here on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. It's Joe Vias. I'm Joe Giglio. All right, Mike, uh, am I hallucinating or are the Islanders like crazy top-heavy? And I, I know it's not the same as the Rangers. I know it's not the same as the Bruins. But I, I loved the way that Jordan Stahl's line played against the Horvat and, and Barzell line. And I could see the Canes controlling them here in this building based on the on the shift. But I can also see that group finding a little daylight when they get back home. Am I, am I misremembering the Boston and Rangers series? Or, or is Jordan Stahl kind of doing it again on home ice? No, that's what he does. I mean, and that's why um, even though, what is it, the the road teams are seven and, and one so far in this postseason or six and two. Yeah, holy well, last, smokes. Last Seattle night, last night yeah. was crazy. They were um, flying. Last night, all the road teams won. The the thing about the, the postseason, I think it's six and two. Um, the thing about home ice advantage in the playoffs is exactly what you just said, Julia. It's you get Jordan Stahl out against Horvat and Barzell. So – uh, you go back Poor to Andrew the series. I can't remember yeah. his name. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's that's, that's it. And, and that's the series. And you're right. And that's why when the Islanders go home, you try to get that matchup away where the Canes do have an advantage though, is the defensive pairing, because they're always going to see either 
Brett Pesci and Brady Shea or Brent Burns and Jacob Slayton. Uh, so you can get them away from Stahl. But that, to me, is the value of Jordan Stahl. You don't hear Bo Horvat's name. You don't hear Matt Barzell's name when they're on the ice against Jordan Stahl, Jesper Faust, and, and Jordan Martinuk right now. So, no, you're not hallucinating anything. That's it. And uh, if the Islanders have that one offensive threat up front five on five, it's that grouping. But if they got to go up against Jordan Stahl, good luck with that because that's the line that hangs on to the puck and makes life miserable. I also thought that line, forward line, Mike, was the Canes' most effective. I don't know if it was just puck possession or, or if there were actual – I'm not going to pretend that I go to, like, uh, BartTorvikofHockey.com for the high-danger chances, my friend. I just know to you that Jesper Faust and, and Martin Oak were buzzing, and I thought Jordan was controlling the puck. Did, did you see a better group uh, on the Canes' side than, the, you know, than I, those? I really, I really did like the Jesperi coach, Kenny Emmy line. I, I really did. They, they didn't get rewarded with – a goal, but you know, that, that was a line when you go back and watch just how he's matured as a player this yeah. year. Uh, he took advantage of the matchups, you know, Stefan Nason's stick blade goes in the net instead of the puck. Oh, but I mean, yeah. that, that was, I mean, that was just a great shift. They had four or five shifts where they could have been rewarded with a goal. But uh, again, if it's going to be this group in uh, obvious, you said it earlier, it's the collective. It's not the one, but uh, there were there were no passengers in in game one, and I think that's the way it's got to be. But uh, the the best line, I mean, if you're going to rank them, the stall line, I think had the the best night, like the A night. But Kokinami's uh, group, you, you get Sebastian Aho going. They had a couple of really good chances. Uh, there's so many things to like about how the team played in game one, other than they didn't get a five on five goal, which is something I think if they can crack the Islanders tonight with a five on five goal, we'll see what that puts the series the rest of the way. Mike Maniscalco, Bally Sports, play-by-play, catch him, obviously, on television. But if you're driving around, running errands, running late, we've got that game here on 99.9. The fans starting up at 6 o'clock, hour-long storm watch with Adam Gold. And then we got the game aftermath immediately following the game. And uh, then we got the Canes Corner podcast brought to you by the, the Aluminum Company. I know you miss the days of those aftermaths, Mike. I know you do. Oh, you have no idea how many times do. I wake up in a cold sweat, There's, missing, missing those one days. Of your episodes, the the dark cane year. No, no, guys, it's funny. We've been talking about a brief history of triangle sports, and I've got some, you know, some some things in the fire, and I've talked to Mike about this. Unfortunately for Mike, the we have days. to talk about the dark days. <laughs> oh, by the way, the the hashtag pray for Maniscalco T-shirt still exists, <laughs> and uh, my my better half wears it as a sleep shirt. And honestly, it's her favorite sleep shirt ever. Thank good. I'm glad. I'm glad that T-shirt is still useful. It's. I. I will. Uh, maybe I'll snap a picture. All right. Would love to see that. Would love to see that. Mike Maniscalco, play by play. All right, man. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, guys. It's the OG alongside Joe Gilio. I'm Joe Obvious. Yeah, man. When Mike used to work over here with us at 99.9 The Fan during those dark days, poor guy, man. Oh, they missed the playoffs again. Mike. People got mad, man, mad back in the day. 82 games is a lot. It is not. Look, man, it's a lot. You, you know my off-the-air feelings about covering the case. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>